Yeah, I think the next time that I get fired from a job, I'm just going to say, nope, I'm not fired. I'm I'm just going to stay here and that'll be it. I'll just have a job. That's how that works, right? <laughs> yeah, you'll just you'll just keep having the job forever. It'll it'll be indefinite, <laughs> essentially. The United States has no right, no desire and no intention to impose our form of government on anyone else. No democracy can survive when it's public life its public goods are so privatized and militarized and individualized. So you won't take down lies or you will take down lies? I think it's just a pretty simple yes or no. So we tell a handful of billionaires who become phenomenally richer, yeah, you're going to have to pay more in taxes. No, but uh, I, I guess uh, per, our former president, our president Trump, is afraid of being um, targeted. president. Yes, the outgoing president is afraid of um, undergoing like legal ramifications for his actions as president. That's what I've heard. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame him for for being afraid because I mean, even even though it's usually not the case that U.S. presidents are prosecuted for like, war crimes and things of that nature. There are um, allegations brought against him by the um, the Southern District Court in New York, I believe it is, when it comes to his um, financial dealings and his business dealings, right, where he's done like a lot of illegal stuff, right, that he could go to prison for. So I'm, I'm not sure how, how that will play out when you're prosecuting a, 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 a former, at that point, it'll be a former president for financial crimes, but... I will see what we'll we'll see what happens there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and he keeps bragging about this vaccine as well, which I guess I heard that um I saw in the news that Pfizer's vaccine has like a ninety percent success rate. Um, really? Yeah, and I've seen like I actually saw like a Facebook ad the other day that was like medical research for coronavirus vaccine and it had this like ad with this like picture of this like smiling blonde girl and it was like oh uh-huh. yeah like that's exactly you know what a great way to make money like i'll be that's honest with you <laughs> yeah right exactly uh i and this is like a really unpopular opinion because i know it's like borderline like anti-vax and like people hate that the democrats hate that but i just think that if there's going to be a vaccine on the market i I'm not going to take it. And I don't like not immediately anyway. And I don't appreciate like how on the, even like during the debates, Trump was like, we're going to uh, send the military to vaccinate everyone. Like, no, <laughs> like, I'm, like right. Exactly. Like it sounds completely authoritarian to me. And I don't care what the party uh, identification of the president is. You cannot have a mandatory vaccine, any vaccine. And, and that's my opinion. And I know you know, I understand the science behind vaccines. I think measles, whatever. If I had a kid tomorrow, I'd get them vaccinated. Don't get me wrong. But I think that people have the right to ask, to question, you know, why is there mercury in this? Why, uh, you know, why are you guys so adamant about me injecting my child with something? And I think the coronavirus is the same way, especially because we don't even know the side effects, the long-term ramifications of this if it's just getting out on the market. So I really take issue with this idea that there's going to be this mass vaccination. And I know it's an unpopular take, but that's how I feel. Yeah, I don't. Um, 
when you say voluntary medical research, do you mean like taking like they're allowing people to voluntarily like take the vaccine for like clinical trials or, or stuff like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Clinical oh, trials was the word yeah. I was looking for. I, I saw an ad the other day that was for um uh mock trial cruises that I guess the cruise lines are doing. They're starting. What? Saying, hey, yeah, they're saying, Hey, you can you can cruise with us for free because we just kinda wanna see what happens. And if we put all these people on a cruise ship, dude, I'd go. <laughs> just right? That's that what sounds I'm like a great way. It's, Call it right, the COVID starts... cruise. <laughs> yeah, I mean, honestly, like I, 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 I do it because I've, I've always wanted to go on a cruise. But um, but it, me I too. I've they're... never been on one. But yeah, like you would probably, you would definitely like get the virus. Like that's so effed up yeah. because like. They know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, it'd be one thing if, like, everyone quarantined for, like, two weeks before. They, like, tested everyone. Like, that's different. But, like... Yeah, but that's not what they're trying to do. Like, they're trying yeah. to see, like, what happens if we just bring a bunch of random people on this ship? I mm-hmm. think you have to... There's some protocol you have to go through. But it's, it's not like... I think you have to test negative or something. But then... I don't know. They're, like, they're trying to see what cruising will look like post-COVID, basically. Like huh. I was saying, you're our lab rats. But yeah. um, when it comes to the vaccine, I, I, don't, I don't think you're wrong to be skeptical of it, at least at this point, right? Because and this is the way vaccines typically work, is they take a very long time to um, get right. Like even, even measles and hepatitis and, and all those, those took like seven or eight years to develop. So and, and when, it, when it comes to something like COVID-19, I... I don't know. I'm I'm a little skeptical of Pfizer saying that their vaccine has a ninety percent a ninety percent pass rate. But e- even if it does, I feel like once a vaccine does hit the market and it does start getting distributed to people, it's not going to be like you and I who get it first. It's going to be people who are super high risk, right? Like older people, um, uh, healthcare workers, right? Who who are just you know, continually treating COVID patients. Sure. Um, people who are in that environment. So even if it's like, say, say it does have some of those side effects, say, say it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't work 90% of the time, like they're saying, we're going to know that by time it like trails down to us. Right. And well, but do you think so? Because with long-term health effects, like I'm saying, like, you know, for a long time, people worked with like asbestos. And that was like a normal thing. And we didn't know that it was dangerous until all these people ended up getting like, um, what is it? Like emphysema (laughs) and um, cancer and stuff. So like, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to cause like, I mean, it could, it could cause like long-term like lung damage or something. And we just won't know until people start getting older. So like at that Mm. point, I I mean, mean, are we going to like. COVID causes long-term lung damage. Uh, yeah, depending. You got on, me there. You got me there. <laughs> how hard it hits you, and, and that, and that, but and that's another thing. Like we don't know um, the long term effects that this virus is going to have on people. I mean, when it comes to like de- debilitated heart and lung effects, um, it would, like it, people, like you know, if it, if it hits you in a in a in a particular way, depending on how your immune system responds, are you going to have to like take medication, like, you know, people who have chemotherapy and they have to take medication for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, there, there's, so, there's so many things that are, are still up in the air. And I think 
I think it's going to be a while either way until we get like a, a set, like, okay, this is what we need to do to, to treat a set of problems. But, um, yeah, I think, um, I don't know. <laughs> I think it's going to be a, a while regardless of what Pfizer or anybody else says until, until we know, like, like the uh, the actual long term effects, and and yeah. I mean that, and and I mean that is a good point in terms of in terms of long term effects of a vaccine because yeah that 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 isn't stuff that you're going to know initially, right? Just right. Yeah, like uh, just like the virus. So, and my fear would be that like healthcare workers would be like forced to take it in a sense of like it would be contingent upon them keeping their job, like if they you know opted to take the vaccine or not. And there are going to be a lot of people, you know, despite the fact that they are healthcare workers who are going to be really skeptical of that and are going to say like, I'm not going to take a vaccine. Um, and we already have like a healthcare worker shortage. So like you're saying, like, we're not going to know for a while, but I just see this like really stirring up the vaccine controversy. Like that would be my prediction. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't know. I think a lot of things have to happen. I mean, first, but it has to hit the market. Government has to decide what they're going to do. Right? Are they going to allow Pfizer to basically profit off of it and capitalize off it? Like, probably. You know, it's, it's, yeah. <laughs> that, that see, that's that that would be like the the main thing in my mind, right? It's like a mm-hmm. pharmaceutical company taking advantage of this opportunity, right? Um. Yeah, I don't know that 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 would be. That's a that's a hard thing for me to to answer. I don't like the idea, and I'm not even sure if they would go along with something like that, like requiring you to take it. They might, but but again, it's gonna take it's gonna take time to roll that out. It's gonna take time to get it approved. It's gonna take time just to get like all of the doses, right? And all of the um, you know, substantive stuff that has to get to people. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think we'll have to, I don't know, sort of make those assessments when we get there. Mm-hmm. Speaking of getting doses to people, another thing that we didn't talk about in our election recap was that uh, Oregon legalized all drugs. <laughs> yeah, I think they I think they actually decriminalized all drugs oh yeah my bad <laughs> basically means um, <laughs> to me it's the same <laughs> no yeah kidding. i mean the only difference is like i think when it's legalized that means you can like sell it at the corner store when mm-hmm. it's decriminalized that just means basically you can't get arrested for having it and yeah they did that they decriminalized all drugs a couple other ones here if i could just go through them very quickly arizona montana new jersey and south dakota all legalized marijuana, like like recreational marijuana. Nice. Um, South Dakota and Mississippi, Mississippi, super Republican Mississippi, they legalized medical marijuana. Oh, um, that's Oregon good progress. Legalized psilocybin, which is um magic mushrooms. In DC, yeah. um, deprioritized psilocybin. So I think that means basically they like changed. Like the schedule of the drug, or, or I, I, okay. I would, I would say that that's probably akin to decriminalization. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, drugs won big on um, on election night. 
<laughs> Absolutely. And we should clarify, this is a pro-marijuana podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the devil's lettuce. <laughs> but that's really cool. So why would... I mean, you and I are both in favor of this, but we should tell our listeners why we think that that's a good thing. Because I think that there are a lot of people, um, you know, Democrat or Republican, who would say... Well, you know, why would you want heroin to be decriminalized? Like, people should absolutely be punished for that. It's extremely dangerous. Um, cocaine, meth, these are things that are extremely dangerous. So what's the advantage of decriminalizing it, you know, let alone legalizing it? The initial war on drugs, the way it started, or what we were told anyway, is like, hey, the, the motivation for doing this is to get people off drugs. We want to we wanna make it so that people stop using drugs because it's it's dangerous it, for them it harms them um we know now that that it was basically a way to um it was basically a way for republicans to make sure or to to, to criminalize um black people and hippies because they knew that those weren't people who were going to vote for them so you know we'll have this war on drugs um and we'll be super punitive um, all, all that kind of thing. But e even if we want to take the kind interpretation of like, hey, we want to get people off drugs because it harms them and it's not good for their well-being. Simply, simply like. And 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 the logic was, oh, we, we will we will start arresting right people who are who are drug dealers that will um, that will reduce the supply of, of, of drugs, essentially. Right. And there's a, there's actually a strong economic argument argument you can make for why this approach doesn't work right if you just if you like if you, if you go back to high school economics right and you draw like <laughs> a supply and demand graph right where you got your supply curve and you got your demand curve right you've got your you've got your supply curve for drugs right which is just like a normal supply curve like any other good um but then you've got your demand curve all right and there's the the demand curve can be drawn differently depending on what product you're measuring um so drugs that's going to be a product where you have a really steep demand curve all right in other words when the supply of it goes up or down or, or when the supply of it goes down because that's that's what we'll focus on um it's not going to really change the demand right people are right. still and you, and you can look at i mean you can um look at cigarettes for example right i mean that's something people get addicted to Oh yeah, um, and they and they will be willing to pay regardless of what the price is, and that's it's the same thing for drugs, right? By simply reducing the supply of drugs that are in circulation, um, you're not really reducing the demand. All you're doing is, or well, while you're reducing the supply, which creates a shortage, right? And what happens with a shortage, as our listeners probably knows, when whenever there's a shortage of any good, price shoots up, right? Because now it's super hard to get this thing. This thing is super rare. Right? So it's going to make it more profitable. It's going to make the cartels and the drug dealers even, um, even stronger. And, they're, and, the, uh, and, and the people are still going to keep demanding the drugs, right? Absolutely. All you're doing is you're, you're, you're accelerating the violence. You're accelerating the power that these um, drug dealers or that these, these cartels have. You're not really um, solving the problem for the people who, who are affected by this, right? Whereas if you if you actually um, you know treat it like a, a mental health issue, which is what it is, and you actually invest in rehabilitation, um, 
programs that that um you know give people counseling and give people um and give people the tools that they need to um get back into in into or get off the drugs and back and get back into society a lot more proactive right and a, and a lot more um um fulfilling in in terms of like the long-term implications of it i think it's important to recognize that what nick just said about the drug war being um targeting hippies targeting black people that isn't just you know conspiracy theory there was a nixon aide that came out former nixon aide rather that came out um a couple years ago and admitted that in you know close behind closed doors it was absolutely to target black people and i mean like you can still look and and see the penalties for crack cocaine versus like um just i mean there's like the crack rocks versus like the powder white people normally um yeah. do the powder more whereas like in uh black communities the crack rock is more popular and the crack rock despite the fact that it's the same drug is penalized so much more and you know are we supposed to say oh well you know it's just a coincidence no of course there's like a racial bias there um another good thing that nick pointed out is the fact that like people um, addiction is like a mental health issue. I, I really like the way you put that. And I, I would have to agree. I think that like a lot of people think that addiction is a matter of like, you know, making some bad choices and then, you know, uh, you're addicted to this drug because you don't care about your family and you like have nothing left to live for, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it really can be as simple as like people searching to fill like a void within them whether that be like from a like grief or from loss of a relationship or loss of a job and then before you know it you are stuck in this cycle of addiction and addiction is a disease um and i think like when people talk about like oh it's personal choice you know like you can choose not to pick up the heroin needle or whatever that really um upsets me because i think that people fail to realize like how powerful these drugs affect the brain. Like you can see in exactly. brain scans, yeah, how they like light up certain images and like your hormones get involved too and your endorphins, like you will need that dopamine release over and over and over again. Um, hey, I hate the dialogue though that, it, oh, it's, it's a choice and you made a bad choice. And it's like, uh, you know, everyone's made bad choices in their lives, but you know, you probably have the convenience of, having made a bad choice that didn't result in you being addicted to a, to a substance right absolutely that's 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 the difference there and, and i um, think yeah i think also being like raised in suburban families if i may may say that about you <laughs> myself <laughs> um i think that we I mean, don't get me wrong, like, my family has, like, a whole history of, like, drug addiction, but I lived in a fairly, like, quote-unquote middle-class environment, so I was sheltered a lot of the time from, like, the serious stuff, like, heroin and, like, crack, but if you're living in an environment where, like, that is all you know, and it makes more sense for you to sell crack than to go to college, I absolutely can see why someone would get involved with that, and I think that what we need to oh, have... Yeah is more compassion for these people instead of this blame shame um mentality yeah and again and i think we talked about this at some point previously but it's just like the uh the recidivism rate we're like having this this quote-unquote tough on crime mentality doesn't work it results in like one of the highest recidiv recidivism rates in the world right where people go into prison 
And then 67% of the time after they come out, they go right back in again. And absolutely, and I, think, I think that's a great point in terms of like, and if you're raised in that kind of an environment, you know, and that's what you grew up around and that's all you see and, and you start to sort of imitate that. Yeah, that's what you're going to do. And I think number one, we need to have more compassion. Number two, we need to put more funding towards um, educational resources. All right. We need to put more funding towards, you know, just building community centers, right, where people can go and they have, you know, where they can go and do something productive with their time and they don't feel like they have to be out on the street because they can't get an education or they can't do something productive with their life. All right. They should have the ability to do that. Absolutely. And I think like, I mean, you make a really good point because like uh, a really great example for this type of policy is Portugal who criminalized um, uh, or decriminalized, excuse me, all drugs in 2001. And according to an article from the guardian, Rather than being arrested, people would be given a small fine or told to appear before a local commission where, like, a social worker would talk to them about, like, harm reduction, uh, different treatment options, um, all these different things that they could be doing in order to solve their drug problem. And, like, as a result of a policy like that, um, they actually stabilized the opioid crisis and their HIV infection rates plummeted from... um, in 2000 they were 104.2 new cases per million to they went all the way down to 4.2 cases per million in 2015 and you can attribute that yeah absolutely that's like that is like a 95 percent decrease and that is from having like access to clean needles and not only that but they also stabilized the opioid crisis in their country so it's not even like I just think that we need to be looking at addicts as human beings rather than as like a problem to be solved. And I think that even if you are looking at like the drug problem itself as an issue, like that is not an issue for police to be dealing with. That is an issue for um, like trained social workers, medical personnel. Uh, And, you know, that just lends credibility to when we talk about defunding the police or even if we talk about, um, you know, reforming the police, which is the more modest way of <laughs> putting it. Um, <laughs> well, you know, drug addiction isn't something that can be solved with someone with a gun strapped to their side. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. something where you need someone who's going to care about the human being instead of just, you know, punishing them for something that they, that is very, very far from their control. Yeah. And also, cops don't have the training. You know, they, they just don't. Right. I mean, if you want to. I mean, if you want to have cop, require cops to like, you know, take certain psychology and sociology classes, you know, and, and actually get a degree. Right. Instead of just going to some police academy for a few months or whatever it is, um, then, it, then it might be different. But in terms of like the incentives that are set up to for like people to become police, it's not people who are going to be empathetic to that. It's not people. We're going to understand that. So you need, you need social workers um, and um, clinicians and people like that to um, go in and handle people who are actually trained to deal with this stuff, to, to handle it, or, or to at least assist or play a, a, a part in. And, and when we talk about defunding the police, um, yeah, I actually have an interesting take on that. Because I think, um, you know, as a leftist, I agree with 
the merits of that. I agree with the substance of that. But from a strategic point, that's not like, I don't know, just from like a, a pure stand, the pure standpoint of slogans, you know that that's not something that sits well with most people. <laughs> Centrist and, Nick comes to the table. No, but, but, this, <laughs> but this is why, but this is why like the way, the way we talk about this is so important. Like Abdul Al-Sayed actually had, um, tweeted about this a while back and this was like during the summer he said hi hey how about we say we want to refund right so instead of you know putting millions of dollars or, or billions of dollars in the case of in the case of really big cities towards police all right through our tax dollars we want our tax dollars spent on community centers and we want our tax dollars spent on um educational resources and and social workers and people who can actually people who will actually these problems or, or 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 institutions that um have a much higher um rate of, of helping fix these problems essentially yeah absolutely I, and i like i like that framing a lot yeah i, I like that's... that framing as well and i i i was kidding with you when i called you a centrist because i i do realize I that <laughs> i know you know i'm telling our audience so they don't think i'm bullying you <laughs> but um i think that there there needs to be and I, I hate to say this, but, you know, we both have an education in political science and there does need to be a certain level of palatability. Um, and I, I do think that people when people say, like, defund the police, I think it scares the liberals. I think it scares the Republicans. So, like, it, I think yeah, that there it, needs to be more conversation around what we actually mean, which to me, it means, like you're saying, like putting more funding towards social workers, putting more funding towards, like drug recovery programs rather than just locking people up um you know better schooling better education so that it isn't a matter of well you know you're poor we're sending you to jail yeah so over the summer um after george floyd was murdered you had a lot of people like come out in support like in solidarity of, of black lives matter even white you know suburban people like even they like and, and you know granted it was like you know social media stuff it was symbolic stuff but just to see like like okay this was something that like got everybody on board um that was big i think when you know people started talking about defund the police that kind of that kind of spooked some of those people yeah. this is why like describing what we mean is is so important and even even if you ask the healthcare question to people if you ask them, you know, hey, do you want universal health care? Um, it pulls at like 70 or 72 percent. If you if you, you know, frame the question as like, ooh, do you want a socialized takeover of medicine? That then, you know, the, the support plummets. So I think we need to when we talk about defunding the police, we need to frame it as, you know, basically. Building up support systems, building up, you know, community systems that know that that do just that that don't always result in in somebody with a gun showing up uh first and foremost right where we actually make these kinds of investments into the community right instead of you know into this militarized police force that's just hell-bent on you know murdering people essentially right absolutely absolutely and i i think like <sighs> I think a lot of people are attracted to the verbiage of defund the police because it sounds so powerful and it sounds so radical and it is enough to encapsulate 
the rage that people feel towards this systemic oppression. But at the same time, yeah, and I, I totally understand where that is coming from. But at the same time, like, I think in order to create, you know, the type of reform, which is what it is that we're looking for, there does need to be some level of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, you've got to get, you've got to get everyone on board. Like if you want to, if you want to take that passion, which is, is, is correct. Right. And is, and is merited. You want to turn it into like actual policy. Like, okay, here's here. We're going to do this policy to fix policing. That's something where you need even people who aren't as directly affected by that and maybe don't understand it. You, you've got to get even them on board just from a pure political standpoint. And, and again, there, there's a way to do that, right? Yeah. You just have to make sure we go about it correctly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's not to say that we're not down with defunding the police. We just think it needs a rebrand because <laughs> we have the same, we have the <laughs> we same need goal. to change the name. Yeah, no, but that's literally, or that's turn it literally into all it is. Brigade. <laughs> <laughs> No, I meant the phrase defund the police needs to be rebranded, not the police themselves. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I, I like Abdul Al-Seed's framing where... Oh, that guy's the a way, king. The way that he explains it is like, you know, he says like defund sounds negative. It sounds really convoluted. Whereas refund sounds like positive. That sounds like something good. And it, it actually makes sense. It's saying, hey, instead of putting all this money towards police departments, let's put money actually towards things that benefit people in the community who are paying all these taxes or, or, or who are um, contributing to, to, to our society, essentially. And that's something where, like, yeah, it's, it puts a more positive spin on it. I think one of the things we have to do on the left is we need to do more of that, right? Where it's not sounding so negative, right? Like it's not swaging like certain parts of the population, right? yeah. but it's something where where we're not conceding on on our values or, or the things that we stand for. But we're also, you know, d- delivering it essentially in, in a way that is is palatable to everyone else as well. Yeah, I would have to agree. All right. Well, I guess we have nothing left. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. Thank you for joining us. 